0: Welcome to Finding Holiness, where we delve into timeless Torah wisdom, revealing the sacred in everyday moments. Join us on a journey to elevate your spirituality and discover holiness in every aspect of life. I'm your host, Rabbi David Kadosh, and together, let's embark on a path of spiritual exploration. I hope you enjoy this next episode. everybody. I'm... Um... I'm thrilled that we can resume the Thursday night Shi'ur with such a large crowd. Baruch Hashem. Um, tonight Shi'ur is um, sponsored and dedicated by my dear uncle and aunt, Mr. and Mrs. Jimmy and Simona Kadosh, in memory of the uh, Mishmara, of the Shloshim, in memory of her father, Aharon Ben Adela Levi Zichrono the words of Torah we say this evening, Amen. I promise that after the shiur we'll have our se'udah in the next room, I was told. I wanted to speak about uh, this evening, to outline, as we begin the journey of our Avot, with Parashat Lech Lecha, the observance of mitzvot by the Avot and all of those that actually lived before Matan Torah, what was the scope of their observance? What was the status of the mitzvot that they performed? What was their personal status? What did it mean to them? Did the Avot keep all of the mitzvot or not? So the Torah tells us, "Eke vasher shama Avraham be'koli, Vaishmor mishmarti mitzvotai, chukotai, v'torotai. It seems that Avraham Avinu kept everything. The Gemara derives from this Pasuk that Avraham Avinu kept all the mitzvot, including the rabbinic commandments, such as Eruv Tavshilin, even that far Eruv Tavshilin before Yom Tov, Yom Tov falls out on Wednesday night, right? We, uh, we prepare an Eruv that uh, we can prepare for Yom Tov for Shabbat. Even that he was, he was keeping. Another Midrash expresses a similar opinion that he even kept Eruv HaTzerot, which was the Eruv that was done when you you had a bunch of homes sharing a courtyard so that people can carry within the courtyard. The Midrash adds that Abraham and Yaakov both had knowledge of the Torah. And that Abraham's kidneys were like two Rabbanim that were teaching him Torah. What does this mean? It could mean that he had the instincts to know how to act and how to keep the Torah. So I wanna go through first the Rishonim on what they believe this statement means that the Avot kept the Torah. Is it literal? Maybe it's not. Then, after this, we'll look at some, uh, the status of the Avot during this time, and then we'll conclude with some practical applications and lessons. Rashi basically follows the Gemara and holds the Gemara to its word that Abraham kept the entire Torah as we know it. He doesn't mention anything about Eruv Tavshilin, or Eruv Chaserot, Abraham kept everything. The Radak, Rabbi David Kimchi, holds that what, it, what, what the Torah meant by saying mitzvotai chukotai torotai was in reference to the seven laws of Noah, the seven Noahide laws. And then he quotes a Gemara as a secondary interpretation, but he kept the seven mitzvot b'nei Noah. The Ramban questions the approach of the Midrash, if you said, tell me that Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov kept all the Torah. Then how how can Yaakov marry two sisters? Very famous question that a lot of people ask. Yaakov marry Rachel and So he answers that according to Midrash, we can distinguish that the observance of the mitzvot while in Israel was different than the observance of the mitzvot outside of Israel. Yaakov married the sisters while he was outside of Israel, and therefore it was permitted. He also holds that maybe what, what the Torah meant was that Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov only kept the Shiva, shiva mitzvot B'nei Noach. And that's why he was allowed to marry two, two sisters. Because that's not one of the seven mitzvot B'nei Noach. The D'ad says that all the mitzvot to Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov were optional. And they only kept the ones which they felt that they wanted to keep. It was permissible for Yaakov to marry two sisters, but it was inappropriate for him to do so because this was a commandment that was going to later on be in effect after Matan Torah. But since the good, says the dad, since the good that was going to come out of this marriage between two sisters exceeded that which was inappropriate, so he married two sisters. Rashbah explains, Yaakov's uh, marriage, that there are certain mitzvot that are limited to time, there are certain mitzvot that are limited to place, and certain mitzvot that are limited to certain items. Uh, the Chachamim explained explains this Rashba in different ways. Some say he was talking a very Kabbalistic point of view. Some say we don't really know what he was referring to. But the Radbaz actually says that while Yaakov Avinu kept a mitzvot, Leah and Rachel actually weren't considered sisters halachically. And therefore, it wasn't an issue for Yaakov to marry both of them. And the reason is because they were not sisters from the same mother. They were sisters from the same father. Uh, the Ramah, Rav Moshe Isulis, in his Teshuvot, writes that only Avraham Avinu kept all the mitzvot, not of his children. And the biggest proof to this is that Yaakov married two sisters. So according to Ramah, the only one that kept all the mitzvot was Avraham ya- was Avinu. The Maharal Prague writes that the Avot observed the mitzvot based on their midot. So Avraham, who discovered monotheism, he wished to impart the will of Hashem to all of his followers. He observed all of the mitzvot because that's what he needed to do to the rest of the people. Yitzchak and Yaakov were different. They observed some of the mitzvot that were appropriate to their midot. He does say that Yitzchak and Yaakov did keep mitzvot, but it was different than the level of Abraham. Only by Abraham does it say these words, mitzvotai betorotai. So what is the status of the Avot? Now that we went through all these Rishonim, where's the status of the Avot at this time? Were they considered full-fledged Jews? Or were they still B'nai Noach, and they just kept mitzvot voluntarily whenever they felt that they needed to keep it? So there's a lot of different... Uh, essays written on this by our Chachamim of the past um, one of them was by Rav Yehuda Rosanes who lived in the uh, late 1600s early 1700s and he has a, a very long piece that is uh, explained by many others that came after him and he says the following <clears throat> number one why did Avraham Avinu wait to perform Brit Milah? You God breathed Mila at the age of 99 years old. Why didn't he perform it right away, like all the other mitzvot? If indeed he kept all the mitzvot, why wait till 99? So he answers that Avraham Avinu wanted to be metzuve The Gemara tells us that it's a much higher level to be commanded to do something and to perform it than not to be commanded uh, to do something and perform it. A lot of reasons to this. Most people think otherwise. Um, you know, I read one, one perush recently that the reason is because when you're commanded to perform something, you actually have a arat to fight because now my ego comes into play because hey, you told me I have to do something. I mean, what if I don't want to do it? So because you have to fight your yetzer and you have to fight your ego, the, the Sakhar that comes for, for, being, for being asked to do something and performing is on a higher level than not being asked and, and doing so. So based on this, the fact that Abraham Avinu wanted to be commanded to do something and, and then do it. This assumes that Avraham Avinu did not have the status of a full-fledged Jew. And therefore, it was better for him, he felt better for me to wait for the commandment. Another way we see this is later on in Humash, before Matan Torah, with Moshe Rabenu. Moshe Rabenu did not perform the Brit Milah for his son. And the She'laz asked, granted that the Avot observed parts of the Torah, but the concept of vachai Bahim which is uh, the idea of allowing one to override mitzvot for the purpose of your life. Why did Moshe not want to give a brit milah to his son? Because he was afraid, you're going to go baderech, they're going to go on the road now, back to, to collect their brothers. Dangerous for his son. So I'm going to hold back, I'm going to hold back. And uh, But that didn't apply. Bachai Bahim didn't apply before the, the Torah. So therefore, how did Moshe Rabbeinu exempt himself from giving the brit milah to his son? Because of the sakana? So he answers, even before matan Torah, logic dictated that you wouldn't perform a mitzvah that would potentially cause death and not allow, to perform so, not allow someone to perform mitzvah in the future, meaning they were not transformed as Jews at that time before Matan Torah, and tactically, theoretically, they couldn't use vachay bahem to exempt themselves from the mitzvah of Brit Milah. Another area where we see this concept play out is Yosef and his brothers. The Torah tells us that Yosef told... His father about the bad things that his brothers were doing. And Rashi notes that among the things that he told his father was that the brothers were eating from Ever Minachai. Ever Minachai is, is, is uh, limbs or meat from a, from a live animal. It wasn't properly, pro- properly shechted or it wasn't dead yet. And this is what Yosef was saying that my brothers were doing. How is it possible that the brothers were performing or eating Ever Minachai? So the brothers were slaughtering animals and taking meat from the animal while it was still in its state of convulsion. So after an animal is shechted, the animal is still shaking. Okay? So now, is the animal dead, or is the animal alive? So the, for the Jew, if you were to eat after the shechita was performed, but the animal is still convulsing, it's permitted to eat that meat. The main key is the shechita. Once most of the two uh, tubes were, were cut, that's it. Done. Shechita permits it. But for a non-Jew, for a non-Jew, if the animal is convulsing, it's still still considered alive, even after shechida was done. And if you were to eat from it, ever minahai. So the brothers felt, since we observed mitzvot, they were considered full-fledged Jews. And full-fledged Jews were entitled to the leniencies that are given to the Jewish people. The leniencies given to shechida, I could eat this. But Yosef was of the opinion, that no, they were still considered non-Jews, they were still considered Bnei Noach, and their observance of mitzvot was very nice that you're observing mitzvot, but doesn't change your status. And that was why he went to tell his father that the brothers were eating ever Minachai. The Rambam famously writes that after the the Dorot, the generations, the people of the world, were given the Shiva Mitzvot Bnei Noach, there were various personalities that were given extra mitzvot, Abraham was given mitzvah brit milah. He also instituted shaharit. Yitzchak, he observed Maaser And he added and instituted Minha. Yaakov Avinu was give, was also given the mitzvah of Sheh, after the after the fight. And he instituted arvit. Came Amram, the father Moshe, instituted more. All the way until Moshe Rabbeinu came, and the Torah was completed through him. So based on this, the, based on these, the Rambam's comments, the mitzvot, certain mitzvot were given to Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and then at Har Sinai, all the mitzvot were given. The problem is that this is a direct contradiction to a Mishnah, and the Rambam's comments on the Mishnah, because there's a Mishnah that states in Chulin that we can't learn from Yaakov's prohibition against eating the Gida Hashem, because the mitzvah was really given at Har Sinai. It was only written in Sefer Bereshit to explain why we observed the mitzvah. But you can't learn the rules from what Yaakov did. You have to learn the rules from the Torah. So, And the Rambam actually writes that this is a very important principle regarding all mitzvot. All of the observances of our mitzvot are based on the fact that they were given to Moshe Rabbeinu on Har Sinai, including the prohibition of Eve Minachai, including the prohibition of Gid Hanasheh. So how do we solve this contradiction? On one hand, the Rambam is saying that our avot are performing mitzvot, and chazak baruch, they instituted mitzvot, they instituted tefillot. On the other hand, they say, no, 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 that was just, uh, just tell us how to do it, but the mitzvot are coming from Moshe, and uh, Moshe Sinai. Some don't lead, lead, lead this contradiction like this, and they don't answer the contradiction. But others want to attempt to answer. And th- some say the following. The point of the Mishnah is that because all mitzvot were, giving, were given at Har Sinai, the way they were performed before Matan Torah cannot teach us how to perform them after Matan Torah. So the Rambam's comments in Mishneh Torah is an historical account of when the concept was introduced, not about the person who is performing the mitzvah, how to, uh, on what to do specifically for that particular mitzvah. Um, and, and a good example of this is the Gemara's Machloket about whether the Tfilot, Shachrit, Mincha, and Arvit were instituted by the Avot, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, or whether they were instituted by the Korbanot. It's a big machloket in, in the fourth parak of Masechet Brachot. Uh, so, like the Rambam said, Avram instituted Shachrit, Yitzhak instituted Mincha, Yaakov, and suma Arvit, and yet in the Rambam in Hilchot Tefilah, he writes that Tfilot were instituted based on Korbanot. So again, how does it work? How do we solve this contradiction? So the answer is very simple. That the Avot were never given the mission to transmit the Mesorah to other people. Yes, they instituted the concept, Abraham instituted the concept of praying Arbit in the morning, Mincha in the afternoon, and Yaakov at night. They took, Their mission was to teach others about Hashem and following Hashem, to stay away from idolatry, to be ethical people. It was only the mission of Moshe Rabenu to transmit the obligation to perform mitzvot to others. And that's the reason why we can't learn halakha from before Matan Torah, is because their observance, what Abraham did, was private. It was only meant for themselves. Of course, the avot instituted prayer. But when we discuss our obligation to pray, and a of tefillah, that's based on the korbanot. Because the avot never instituted for others, they instituted for themselves. The idea of praying in the morning said there but not for other people. And the Gemara concludes that indeed that is where we have the obligation to pray is learn from the Korbanot, especially that the times of the Korbanot match exactly with the times of, of the Tefillah. So what are some practical applications and uh, lessons that we can learn from this? Um, the Betalevi, uh, uh Rav Yosef Soloveitchik, you know, he comments about how the Avot used to keep the Mitzvot Pesach in the very famous episode of Yitzchak giving the brachot to Yaakov, uh, uh, what was given there, the bread, the meats, that was all Pesach. Everything there was Pesach. It was a Korban Chagigan, a Korban Pesach, and he gave him Matzot, and that, that's very nice. But doesn't that seem misplaced in time? With all due respect to Yaakov and Yitzchak, but Pesach didn't happen yet. Pesach didn't happen for a few more hundred years. So what exactly is going on? It's a question that a lot of people ask. Well, they just sat down and had a Pesach seder? What are they celebrating? So he answers beautifully. And it's really a, a yesod that a lot of people should, you know, remember and, and instill inside their neshamod. We sometimes mistaken and we try to attribute reasons to mitzvot by assuming that the mitzvah is the function of an event. But in reality, says the Beit the opposite is true. The event is the function of the mitzvah. God, in his divine wisdom, he saw it appropriate for us to eat matzah on the night of Pesach. This was a mitzvah that he felt needed to be included in the 613. And as a result of that, he arranged the events of Yetziyat Mitzrayim so that they would fit perfectly with the mitzvah of Matzah. Why do we have parents? Because there is a mitzvah to do kibudavayim. There's a mitzvah to fear our parents and honor our parents. Why does a yamsuf exist? It exists because Hashem wanted to split the yamsuf. Because the Torah is the blueprint of of the creation. In fact, I heard a tremendous chidush, that every time there's a new innovation in the world, there's a new technology, something that was just discovered, it had to be that at the same time, there was a chidush in the Torah. There was a chidush, something new was discovered, a new brand new understanding of something in the Torah, because the Torah came comes before anything else. So the fact that we have smartphones, it must have been that there was something major that happened at that time to allow smartphones to come into the world. It's an amazing, amazing uh, analysis by the Beit HaLevi. Says Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, he goes back to the Yaakov Avinu, and he says, you want to know why Yaakov Avinu married two sisters? He says, because he had a, he had no other choice. He was put in a position where he had no other choice. He would have loved to observe all 613 mitzvot. He had already committed to marry Rachel when he found out that he really married Leah, it wouldn't have been right for him to impose this humrah, this stringency on Rachel by abandoning his commitment to her. And as well, it wouldn't have been right to divorce Leah. So he married both of them. And says Rabbi Yaakov Kaminesky that the lesson from this is that we don't impose our own personal chumrat, our own personal stringencies at the expense of other people. If it's going to hurt other people, then what gives you the right to do certain things, Right? And, 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 you know, keep, keep people waiting. Uh, you want to keep Rabin Tam on Shabbat, Chazak Baruch, It's great. It's, uh, it's good. Chazak if you do it. It's your own humrah. But if you're going to come at the expense of other people and say, sorry, I hold Rabenu Tam, everybody here has to wait, and nobody else has Rabenu Tam, what are you doing? So don't impose your own personal Humrat, which are valid, on other people at the expense of other people. The Rav, Rav Yosef Dob Soloveitchik, mm-hmm. he says deeply, that there are two Britot here, there are two covenants between Hashem and the Jewish people. He says something called Brit Avot and something called Brit Sinai. He says the Brit Avot was the promise given to Abraham at Brit Ben Abetarim. This is this week's parasha. And Brit Sinai was the acceptance of the mitzvot and Har Sinai. When the Avot kept the mitzvot, it was part of Brit Avot. According to the Ramban, Says Brit Avot only applies in Eretz Israel, and that's why the Avot didn't necessarily observe the mitzvot outside of Israel. As Yaakov, as we said, Yaakov was outside of Israel when he married the two sisters. And says Rav Salvezikamazingchidush. He says this actually still applies today in Chutz l'Aretz. In Chutz here in Canada, observance of the mitzvot is based solely on Brit Sinai, because we accepted the mitzvot on, on Har Sinai, and we are lacking any benefit from the Brit Avot. One who lives in Eretz Yisrael and fulfills a mitzvah, he gets the benefit of observing the mitzvot through both covenants. And lastly, while we have a general rule that we don't learn out halachot and actions of the Avot, we do have examples where we do learn from them. One such example is the Rizut of Avraham Avinu at the time of Akedat Yitzchak, we don't learn the core elements of the mitzvot from the avot, but we do learn the midot involved in the performance from the avot. Of course, Sefer Bereshit is known as sukhan Aruch Hamidot. If you want to know how to act, how to behave, how to treat each other, what to do in certain situations, we look at our avot. Maase avot, siman labanim. You will look at the life of Abraham just in this week's parashah and the next and you would assume who what type of what type of normal human being would still cling to god after all of this 10 tests 10 tests chachamim say that is what made him abraham avinu how do i know that look in Perkei Avot, Perkei fifth chapter asara dorot minoach vead Avraham. 10 generations from noach to abraham next mishnah asara nisyonot nitnasah abraham avinu why in the first Mishnah it was to, it called him Abraham and the second Mishnah it called him Avram Avinu? The answer is because through those Nishonot, Abraham became Avram Avinu. And it was through those Nishonot he was able to impart for the rest of the Jewish world that all the generations that were to come after him, that, that the ability to go through these incredible uh, spiritual powerful Nishonot throughout history, sometimes good and sometimes not so good. But where do we get this strength from? We get it from Avraham Avinu. Avraham, Isaac, and Yaakov are the element, the key elements where we learn the core of us, and that's what it is: Shukhan Arusim So uh, I wanted to just give you a synopsis over here of what the Avot represented and what exactly they did. You know, were they perfect human beings? Guess what? Mahlokhet. Some hold that the Avot were perfect. They didn't make any mistakes. What you think is a mistake wasn't really a mistake. And those uh, that hold them to account say, no, they were, they were human beings. They made mistakes like everybody else. No question, they were very, very holy people. But one thing that we can uh, uh, take out of this is that HaKadosh Baruch gave us The Torah to draw every pasuk, every story, and every anecdote that is written that is there is for us to learn, it's for us to learn from, to become spiritually greater, to become, to become, uh, uh, to raise our levels of Gadut, like just like they did did in Bezrat Hashem, through the studies of these these stories, will be inspired, inspired to better the world like they did, inspired to be better Jews. Better in our relationships to one another and better in our relationships to HaKadosh Baruch Amen. Can you hear that song? Thank you.